Colossians 2, 6 through 15. This is the net translation. Therefore, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, and firm in your faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Be careful not to allow anyone to captivate you through an empty, deceitful philosophy that is according to human traditions and the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and you have been filled in him, who is the head over every ruler and authority. In him you also were circumcised, not, however, with a circumcision performed by human hands, but by the removal of the fleshly body, that is, through the circumcision done by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, you also have been raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And even though you were dead in your transgressions and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he nevertheless made you alive with him, having forgiven all your transgressions. He has destroyed what was against us, a certificate of indebtedness expressed in decrees opposed to us. He has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Disarming the rulers and authorities, he has made a public disgrace of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Dear Father, I uh, thank you for this, this passage. I pray for Eric. I pray, Lord, that you would bless Eric, uh, guide him, have him give the message to us that you would have him to give, Lord. And uh, Father, I pray that you would prepare our ears and our hearts to uh, uh, hear and understand the message you'd have us to understand. In the name of Jesus, I pray. So, today we're going to be talking Colossians 2, 6 through 15, just like was read. And we're going to be, we're going to be talking about what it means to walk in Christ. What it means to walk in Christ. I'm driving, I'm driving home. The sky is exploding with colors, right? Red, orange, yellow, maybe some purples inside the clouds. Just a typical night, sunset in Kansas. Now, for all the bad things, uh, Kansas gets a bad rap for, you know, like being literally flatter than a pancake and getting between you guys and the wonderful Colorado mountains. Uh, it does have that one thing, that, that sunset. Uh, I'm yet to find uh, a better place for those, mostly because there's literally nothing in the horizon except the sun. But, hey, you'll give us a pass for that. We have to have something. So, this was just a normal day, except for, except for it was on the drive to see my dad for the final time on earth. Seeing my dad at the final, final days on earth. See, we all desire to leave a legacy, right? We all want to make a difference in our lives, and thinking about a funeral is a good time to kind of evaluate how do you do that? What kind of mark do you leave? When your end days come, when your last days come, what do people say you lived for? How you acted, how you followed Christ. And we understand, and the sermon will do a little bit of that, that at funerals you mostly just say nice things, right? 
Not a whole lot of funerals that come up being very critical of the person they're putting in the ground. Um, I don't think people who run funeral homes or, you know, share messages at, at those events would get very, very many requests or, you know, payments for, for doing stuff like that. Not a good business tactic. But it is a good thing to think about as far as where are, what are we doing in our life. So, there are going to be three things, three things, very, very simple. And as I do a sermon that's in a lot of ways a tribute to my father, uh, it behooves me to do three points, um, because that was his thing. Like most people, all good sermons have three points. And so that's what we're going to be doing. There's three things that I see Paul doing in this passage to tell us how to walk in Christ. One of them is to remember where we started. Remember where you started. The next thing is to avoid distractions. Do not read the billboards. And the last one is to center your gaze on Christ, to focus on the end. So remember where you started. So there are, there are three things that when Paul is talking in verses 6 through 7, that he really says we are to do if we are to walk in Christ. The first thing, just as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in Him. This is where we started. Throughout this sermon, I'm going to be using a metaphor consistently. You know, walk in Christ, uh, drive in Christ, drive in Christ. It seems like a pretty fair, uh, they're both metaphors. I just exchanged one metaphor for another one. That's more modern. And while there's not very much sanctified about Dallas traffic, uh, I think you guys can get the idea that where we're driving, we should stay in the same lane, right? Uh, we should. I don't, I don't know what some Dallas you just see them, they're just all like, zoom, 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 and you're like, I, we're all going to the left lane. They say that lane's closed, and they're like, I can't read? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking, but we start on the road. I don't care how bad of a driver you are. I don't care how big your pickup truck is. You started on the road. Nobody parks in a ditch, right? But the main thing Paul's trying to get us at is getting us started on where we started in the Christian walk. So, where do we start? We started rooted. He said being rooted in Christ. You were rooted. You were your life, you knew when you came to know Christ that He was the only thing that could give you life. Most of us, when we come to know the Lord, it's because we've come to the end of ourselves. You were rooted. That's where your strength came from. You were built up. You were built up. So, we are, we know that he's talking to the Colossians and they're, they're struggling. They're struggling because there's so many other things to focus on. There's so many other ways to turn their attention. Like many of us today, right? But he's reminding them, where did you, where did you get your growth? Where were you built up? Most of us, when you start, it is all Christ. You know, some of us, if we're saved later in life, like my dad was, a lot of this experience is all wrapped up in one one kind of event. Some of us, this kind of experience happened at camp. You remember that, right? When you were serving the Lord, or in college, or whatever, wherever else in your life that you you were on fire, you were growing in Christ, you were reading your Bible, you were sharing it with your neighbors, 
This was the thing that was excited for you. That's where you start. That's where we start is focused on Christ. It's only later that we get distracted. Establish in your faith. This is the third metaphor that Paul uses. So he uses the agricultural. You were rooted. That's where your strength came from. You were built up. That's where you found your growth. And you are established. Unfortunately, you know, uh, I wish marriage was a better metaphor for this. Unfortunately, it's not today. But I can say that when we came to know Christ, you knew that that was the deal. That was what you signed till death. I am Christ. Christ is mine. Overflowing with gratitude. You're like me again. This is where all the excitement goes. Years later, after, you know, maybe one diaper changed too many, one too many business calls, one too many uh, drives in Dallas. Suddenly, this gratitude goes right out the window, along with all of those other things you say to people on the road. We were overflowing. Remember where you started. Remember that excitement, that passion, that joy. In other words, Christ was preeminent, not just prominent. So I'm just throwing out the big words so everybody's happy, right? Preeminent. He was the first. He was number one in your life. He wasn't just an important thing to your life, because I'm sure if I asked any one of you in this room, is Christ important to you? The answer would be yes. But when I ask myself, is Christ preeminent in my life? The answer is so often, not so much. Not quite. Pretty close. Could be more. So, uh, we've talked about mass split for We live by the same grace that originally saved us. So often we live life trying to go by self-serve. Because here's the thing. When we get lost or distracted from Christ, it's not because we don't love Christ. It's not because we don't think he's important. It's just because there's other things keep adding up, and we live our lives with a subtraction by addition. Christ becomes less important because all these other things are also important, and they kind of suck away from our attention towards Christ. We live life not by grace, not by the economy of grace, not by coming to the Lord for our strength. We find ways to cope. Find ways to cope with a busy schedule. Find ways to cope with a demanding job. Find ways to cope with the uh, difficulties of raising a family. But it's just like this self-serve. So while this is talking about, you know, gas, gulp, yikes, all of that, all of those difficulties that we run into, it's because we're trying to self-serve ourselves. And we're not looking towards Christ. So maybe getting gas from Christ is kind of like getting it from this random guy with a little tie. I don't know. I th- I just thought it was a funny picture, honestly. Um, but here's the idea. The idea is that instead of trying to always feed ourselves, why don't we remember where we started? Remember where the roots went down deep. Remember where we were built up in Christ. Remember that excitement, the gratitude at that moment. And I understand that 
sometimes it's just really hard to you know, carry that on. But we can help ourselves out when we're getting lost, when we're getting distracted, by coming back to the source where we were established in our faith, our salvation, receiving from God rather than just trying to continually work. That's my dad. Just kidding. That is that is a model, motorcycle model. One thing I will never understand, um, and maybe I just need to wait another 10 years for the fashion trends to go around, were the 70s. Um, like the fashion styles, I just like look at that and I'm like, what? Why was that cool? Um, but hey, uh, I'm sure people will be, my kids will be saying that same thing to me. Anyway, but uh, no, this is my dad. Uh, he is just chilling there. Obviously not, not a model, but somebody who came to know Christ. He, he came to know Christ at a much later age than many people. And uh, he, he would always talk about that. But one of the things is, though my dad probably had a lot of really funny stories, and he kind of fancied himself a storyteller, uh, much to our chagrin, uh, all the time, every time somebody's over, right? He's telling the same story over and over again. Sometimes he would share the same message for breaking a bread four weeks in a row. Like, he just loved his stories. and uh, But there was one thing he wouldn't talk about, and that was his life before Christ. Even though I'm sure he had a hundred things that he did that we would maybe laugh at, that they could make a movie out of. He would never talk about that because he said, that's not who I am anymore. That's not who I am. There, something changed in that moment. And he was just always coming back to that Bible study in Romans where he finally first came to know the Lord. And he's like, I'll talk about that all day. I'll talk about that all day. But look, all of those things I did before, they were sin. The only time I heard anything about those things, and there were some crazy things I heard, were when he used them as sermon illustrations. That's literally it. Um, which was which was always very interesting when he's sharing with everybody something I never knew about himself. But hey, um, that was his choice, and that was the point, is that remember where you start. Remember where you start. Here's our family. Just figured it's more when you're talking about one person, you got to talk about the whole crazy family. This is how our family photos work. Um, they're odd. Uh, this is my dad. It's kind of a little distorted, but you can kind of see his little ornery face. Even sick, he caused all sorts of trouble. This explains so much for my wife when she saw this photo. Not me. This was his favorite photo of our family photos. Sounds kind of awful, but for some reason he thought it was really funny us getting chewed out under an unload here sign. But that was, I'm just saying, this is, this is my dad. The second thing Paul does, he first says, remember where you started. Remember the roots. Remember the, the buildings. Remember the gratitude. Okay? Like, these the Colossians, they started well, like most of us. Started focused on Christ. Started knowing He's the only way to live to walk, to drive. But then they got forgotten. And one of the problems was they started reading the billboards, right? 
Remember, you started on the road, but don't read the billboards. All sorts of things. All sorts of places to go. All sorts of advertising, things to buy. We live in a very consumerist culture. There's always something to do. There's always another Netflix thing that could be interesting. There's always another, you know, you just take your pick. Another uh, shopping spree, a great deal sale that you have to take advantage of. Reading the billboards. For the Colossians, as you read in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of this world, rather than according to Christ. See, in the Christian life, we like to make a lot of rules. Make a lot of rules. And they're not always, they're not always as legalistic. And I would say that these Colossian rules, they were wrong, but they weren't necessarily saying this is a part of salvation. The idea was just, if you're extra spiritual, you'll do this. If you're a true follower of God, you might get circumcised. It wasn't like the Galatians who were saying this is a part of salvation. It was a much more common and dangerous kind of thought. This is the real way to be a Christian. These are the true ones. These are the kinds of songs you listen to if you're a real Christian. These are the kinds of things you think about if you're a real Christian. And there's a lot of problems with that. And really, there's two different ways that this goes. I guess this gave me like four or five. But there's really two different billboards that we listen to. And making these human traditions, these empty philosophies, leads us one of two ways. One of the ways, as you could probably guess by the way I'm talking, is legalism, right? It can lead you into these things where all I'm doing is following rules, right? Legalism, the safe way to go. And I hear it all the time. I just don't want to get even close to the cliff. But suddenly this idea, but see, when you're saying, I'm not just going to get close to the cliff, I'm going to, I'm going to put a fence back over here and stuff like that. There's some wisdom to that, but it's also a way in which you can still be focused on the rule. Your gaze is still on what I'm not doing and not on Christ and what He has already done. Legalism is a way, when you start doing these traditions, suddenly that becomes the Christian life. But that is not how to walk in Christ. That is not the way to follow the Lord. On the other side um, that this leads to, which you see at the end, he talks about how these little rules, they're no value against fleshly indulgences. So ironically, when you make these little rules, oftentimes that's just as uh, often will lead you into more sinful living, licentiousness, problems. And you know, you look around the world and you see that as well. People who had all these rules, all these things that they said, I'm going to do this and this and this, and suddenly the pastor fell. Right? Suddenly uh, the church is a wreck. And you look under the surface and you see things like abuse and uh, adultery, and you're like, well, how does that happen? They had all the rules. They're not walking in Christ. They're not focused on the right thing. They're reading the billboards. And the other side, you know, free, you know, uh, freedom, where we're all about grace, it doesn't work either. Right? We can't just buy into the culture like, oh, yes, 
Sleeping around's okay. There's no problems with that. And you look at all these broken lives everywhere. They're reading the billboards. They're listening to the voices of these traditions that say, this is the way to be a Christian. And no, the only way is to follow Christ and live by grace. So, there are a couple of things uh, to, to think about. One of the things that I think of with my father is like a workhorse with blinders on. Uh, he had that German farmer work ethic, somebody who got up every morning and worked really long, which drove me crazy because then the expectation was for me to do the same thing um, as a kid. And so I was always like, why, you know, and all these other things. But that was the idea that you served. Uh, there was, uh, there was definitely periods in his life where he could have gone a different way. Uh, one thing was when, before, before I was born or when I was very young, um, my, my dad faced a decision of where to go to work, right? He owned his own company. He was a master mechanic, made a lot of money. And, uh, but one day he was praying for a maintenance man for this place called Kansas Bible Camp, where I grew up. And, uh, and he said, he would always tell the story this way. He's like, it was one of those weird times where you almost heard an audible answer. And, uh, and it was like the Lord saying, I hear your prayers and you are the answer. So he packed his stuff up, took, you know, 90% pay, pay cut and decides I'm going to raise my family in a very different world. And all of us kids are, are so grateful for that kind of environment that we were able to grow up with because he made that decision. Because he was not distracted by the money or distracted by all the other things he could have done. He, he obeyed the Lord. And even later, when the directors changed, and usually if, if you understand these things, when you have a, a big turnover in leadership, a lot of times most other people leave in a company really or anything or camp. He stayed even though he no longer was getting opportunities to teach the staff like he really wanted to. Why? Because he was the obedient workhorse with the blinders on. He didn't read the billboards. He didn't seek something else just because he didn't feel very happy or he was frustrated with something else. It's a dedication to follow Christ because that's what he was doing. He was going to be a servant first and foremost. And then these other things that he loved to do, he found ways to do it. But he was a servant of Christ first and foremost. So the last thing is to center your gaze on Christ. Center your gaze on Christ. And at this point in the chapter, I'm, I love this point. I, I absolutely love this point because it seems like Paul just gets so excited. Like he's overflowing with who Christ is. And and some people will look at it and they'll be like, no, it's a very logical progression of blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I, I kind of see that. But for me, mostly, I just see a bunch of things that make Christ worthy of being the first in my life. A random, almost random, I shouldn't say random, because there's there's probably a method to the madness to a degree. But this this series of greatness, things that make Christ great, spewing forth, right? For in Him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in Him, you have been made complete. And He is the head over all rule and authority. And in Him, you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. 
You were buried with him through baptism, and you were raised with him through faith in the power of the working of God. And he has taken away the decrees that were hostile towards you, and he's taken them out of the way, and he has nailed them to a cross, proclaiming his victory over the spirits that these Colossians were seeking focus on instead of Christ. We have every reason to make Christ first in our life. And if it's not this list, it's another list. You can go to chapter 1. Every reason for who Christ is. We walk through those a little bit more, right? Um, Turn your gaze. But why? Here are the reasons. Christ's incarnation, fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. He's the one. He is God incarnate. He is God made flesh. Why are we looking at these other things? Why are we making these rules? Why are we trying to listen to these spirits? Christ's sanctification. In Him, you were made complete. He is the one that has completed your faith, your, your, your growth. He is the one where your Christian life came from. Why are you trying to find some other way to revitalize it? You're trying to shortcut but you can't. You center your gaze on Christ. Christ's position. He is the head over all rule and authority. He's the king. He's the Lord of all. These Colossians were stuck in these cultural, uh, these cultural rules based on these spiritual beings that supposedly were connected to these elements. They were, they were lost because of, you know, they talk about worship of angels, self-abasement, all these different things that just keep taking away from Christ. Some of them weren't necessarily wrong, but again, it was a continual subtraction by addition. We've added, and if we look at our own lives, we do all the time. American way, right? Just keep yourself busy. Keep throwing down a few more things to do. What happened to those quiet times with the Lord? What happened to those moments of conversation with each other where we just sat down and said, you know, Christ is Christ is the first. Christ deserves all of the focus for this meal, for this hour, for our lives. Christ's position, he's the head over all. Christ's salvation, think of everything he's done for you at that moment. Remember, remember. You'll see this as a theme of this. Frederick Beekner uh, once told a story about uh, a dream he had, actually. It was kind of odd, but uh, a dream he had where he was going to a hotel and he stayed in a room and he was like, oh, that was the best room ever. But then he couldn't remember his name, remember the name. So he comes back to the hotel and he's like, I want to stay in that same room. And he goes back and forth with the uh, receptionist for a while. And then suddenly he's like, the guy's like, I know, I know exactly what room you're talking about. It's called the Remember Room. For a more modern reference, we could talk about Sherlock Holmes' Mind Palace. Some of you guys watched that. Uh, he sits there and he solves crimes by going through these scenes and flipping them around and doing all this stuff. This is what we do as Christian life. This is why we come back and share breaking of bread week after week after week. It's our Remember Room. It's our time to make Christ number one opus. To remember that why, why he is deserving of first place in our life and not just one of many important things. 
And then Christ's victory. Anything you do, any rule you make. Remember, why are you making a rule to defeat something Christ has already beaten? Christ is our means. Christ is the manner. His grace, His goodness, His power is how we can live a life pleasing to Him. We got to have that daily obedience. And some of you might come away, start, I mean, as far as I'm talking, like, oh, he doesn't think we should be careful about, you know, sexual immorality, or he doesn't think we should. No, that's not what I'm saying. We obviously have to follow the word. We obviously have to live in obedience. But we also have to remember the way to live in obedience is through following Christ. Following Christ. The German farmer work ethic, the Hispanic heart. That day-to-day waking up and centering yourself on Christ and driving west. Driving west. So, when we think about driving west, chasing the sun, we'll talk about that a little bit. My dad did a lot of things. One of his things was the commitment to missions. Commitment to missions. There's a fire for a lot of people. A lot of, I know a lot of people who went through intercultural studies programs. And uh, later on in life, they kind of forgot what it was. And they got married and had a family. There's nothing wrong with that. But where where is that passion for that? That desire to follow Christ through this 630 window? Where is our passion to be the neighbor, right? Are we thinking about how we're using technology? After work, is it just, oh, let's, you know, watch TV. I worked hard all day, right? Or are we, are we committed to using our energy to serve the Lord, to follow Christ on a daily basis, to invite our neighbors over? That was something my dad did. Again, he had many problems that I could also talk to you all about. But we're doing a tribute, right? So let's just talk about his, uh, evangelistic efforts where he did play versions of the Corey Ten Boom's hiding place and he brought in seven different churches to share the message of forgiveness to a thousand people. Okay? He's just a simple German mechanic. He wasn't that great of an actor. He wasn't that great of a director. But he had the idea that I wake up every day and I look towards the horizon and I see where Christ has me go today. Whether it be a Bible camp, whether it be to be teaching, whether it to be to share the truth with those next to me. He had the passion for those who were isolated, for those who maybe struggled to integrate with a different church. When he did his Bible study, it was a place where everyone felt comfortable. So much of our energy, when we think about what I do in the Christian life, when I, if I'm honest, a lot of what I do is spending time with people I already just want to hang out with that are pretty nice, that are pretty cool. I want to hang out with the cool people right at school. Where are we putting our energy? Is the church just a social club where we find people like us that we can have a good time with? Or is it a place where we're committed to living by grace and seeing people how Christ sees them? Because like C.S. Lewis says, if we saw them as Christ as, as they are in Christ, we would be tempted to worship them. But instead, we're just judging their style, judging their comments, 
or their approach or whatever it is. The question is, where is our dedication? Are we focused on Christ? Because a life focused on Christ is a life that spews out grace for everyone, whether they be in the church or whether they be outside walking on your street. Drive west. Drive west, chase the sun. As I was coming home and driving west in the sunrise, as you guys could probably have an idea, I had this crazy idea that I would just keep driving as fast as my 1991 light blue Toyota Camry could go. And I understand that there are oceans that would inhibit this passion. So maybe I jump in a jet. But the idea is the same. Every morning, do we wake up and see Christ in the horizon and drive west, chasing the sun? Or is it just another sunrise that you've seen before? Or is it just the Dallas skyline and some honking horns? Do we drive west, chasing the sun? So uh, at this point, we're going to play a song, a song I actually wrote about my dad, um, just as a chance for you guys to reflect about where we're at. And uh, my friend, Brian Thompson, does it. He actually has a band. It's called The After Year. Random fact. I, I feel kind of obligated because he was really nice to record this for me. But uh, anyway, um, so he's, he's doing a lot of cool stuff. So if you like it, then let me know and I can direct you to other stuff. But the main thing is this, this song as a tribute to my dad. A reminder for all of us that life in Christ is both exciting, it's both obedience, it's following the Lord. I caught a glimpse of your glory while driving through this line. The sky was awake with your light. Could I be here forever? Centered on your beauty To never lose sight of your life I hear my father say Drive west, chase the sun Don't you give up Drive west, the horizon is before Drive west, chase the sun, let it lead you on and on. So often I live in the dark, blinded by my sin. The sun shining, filling up the skies, reminding me to keep that light inside. I hear my father say, Drive west, chase the sun. Don't you? Drive west, the horizon is before.
Drive west, chase the sun, let it lead you on and on. My father's last words spoken to me. Obey the king. Listen to his voice. Day after day, he chased the sun, and on that day, he caught up. I hear my father's voice calls me. describes my last conversation with my dad uh, was what it meant to walk in Christ. It was preparing for this exact sermon. And uh, he looked at the wall, kind of focused with a kind of a weird look, I do as I do sometimes. And uh, he said, well, it has a lot to do with obedience, a lot to do with listening to the shepherd's voice. And so, just like it shared the song, his death, as I was thinking, processing through it the next few days um, was just a matter of him catching up to the thing he had been following for the last 20 years faithfully. See, we all want to leave a legacy. We all want to make a difference. We all wonder how they might people might think about us when we're gone. We all want to please our Lord. And the question is, what is the life that changes? Is the people or is it the people that are in the history books? Is the people that did all the great things? So I submit to you that based on this passage and based on my experience and based on my father's life, that I'm not sure it is. I think it's the servants. I think it's the people who wake up every morning and decide, I'm going to follow the Lord. People that wake up, see the sun and the horizon, and drive west after it until the Lord brings them home. Lord, uh, thank you for this time. Thank you for how good and gracious you are to us. Thank you that even though we are so imperfect in these kinds of things and we can never live up 
live up to the funeral version of any follower of you. We know that we can rely on you and your power to follow, to pick up our cross daily, to find you. Lord, thank you that it's exciting. Thank you that it is hard. Thank you that you will be with us every step of the way until you take us home. Amen.